Welcome to the Cloudonics CX Verse podcast. In this series, we are exploring everything related to customer experience. Hi, everyone. This is Eric from Cloudonics, and welcome to the Cloudonics Customer Experience CX Verse podcast. Today, I have with me Mark Bernstein, of CEO of Balto, here to tell us about how to revamp your agent experience. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? So far, so good. Good. Um, Thanks for having me. So how about you give us a quick, uh, what is Balto? Uh, so everybody knows, because I'm not sure everybody who will be listening will know the company by name. Sure. Balto pioneered what we call real-time guidance. And you know, there's a lot of other flavors of real-time guidance. Folks will often call things like real, real-time agent assist or next best action. But fundamentally, what it is, is it's analyzing conversations live while they're happening. So it's analyzing everything that the agent says live while the agent's saying it, everything the customer says live while the customer says it. And on the agent's computer screen is going to give them real-time recommendations for how they can be as effective as possible. So how did people do it before you guys? Wow. Huh. Jeez, I have to go back to the the dinosaur era. Um, Well, you know, first of all, I think it was a lot of walking the floor. And that's something that I think that a lot of supervisors today miss in picking up things that their agents are doing that they, you know, want to improve and also in being there and, you know, guiding the agent and helping them, you know, and walking the floor kind of had a whole bunch of different flavors. There was, you know, the Y Jack where you actually put your, you know, you're sitting side by side with the agent and you, you, you jack into their, uh, into their headset. Um, you know, there was whisper mode, which, you know, when, you know, we started seeing the prevalence of CCAS became cloud enabled. So you didn't have to do that sitting physically next to the agent, but you could do that, you know, from a supervisor workstation. And the basic idea was that supervisors were, were trying to hop around, you know, from agent to agent, you know, hoping that they found something useful and then, you know, guide them to be, you know, effective. Uh, or they would be, you know, sitting there for an hour, a full hour and be like, all right, right now it's the Eric session. And you sit there for an hour and then, you you know, Eric is, you know, uh, in between calls for half that time and waiting for pickups. And then, you know, uh, half the calls that he actually gets are, um, you know, quick interactions where there's not any meat to it. And then, you know, you spend that entire hour to try to give Eric one bit of really good coaching advice. And that's how it was done, you know, before. But it's just everybody felt the crazy amount of inefficiency if you are a supervisor and you're trying to help your agents be as effective as possible or your contact center leadership, and you want some visibility into what's happening, just kind of keeping your ear to the ground is not enough. And that's, I think, what, what has started, you know, what first was the speech analytics space, taking, you know, conversation data and making it available to the executive level, uh, making it available to the data science level who are looking for patterns and trends post-call. And then that started to go more toward what we hear today, you know, conversation intelligence or conversation analytics, which is bringing that same power to the supervisor level. So what has changed that has made what you're doing possible? Tons of stuff. Uh, To start, transcription costs and transcription accuracy when we were getting started in uh, 2017, it costs an arm and a leg. And I can give you, you know, a real example. Uh, Back at that time, you know, the speech APIs that, that Google would offer uh, were really built around um, like home assistance and trying to enable the economy for home assistance and for um, apps, right? So that's, mm-hmm. that's how they had built their speech APIs is you give a quick one sentence command to an app and then the app 
you know, response. But the problem is, is that then in that case, what they're doing is they're charging per utterance. So they're essentially charging per 15 second segment for transcription. They're not, you know, uh, creating a model where they're expecting people to, to do hundreds of thousands or millions or many millions of hours. Um, and if you're an app, you know, each one of those little engagements, you're okay to part with, uh, I think it was 1.1 cents at the time, you know, but we can't as a SaaS company part with 1.1 cents every, or it was 4.2 cents a minute, you know, that that's like really, really painful to part with. So the speech to text, you know, ecosystem has exploded. Uh, a big part of that is the, you know, decline in cloud computing costs, the ability to spin up AWS servers, you know, it, honestly, minute by minute, which is an incredible thing mm -hmm. to have a whole dedicated computing device, you know, processing for you, you know, on a minute to minute basis based on volumes. And then, you know, the remember that neural nets, I think it was really only came out in 2016 is when, you know, the most recent uh, version of neural nets, um, you know, were published that's caused this like, you know, AI renaissance. So it was only 2016 that we've had neural nets, the ability to do, you know, deep learning uh, to pick out different patterns among sentences and, you know, classify them in various ways. So AI is, you know, in its current form is seven years old, <laughs> you know, less. Right. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's something that, you know, we're continuing to push the frontiers of what it's capable of every single day. Well, you, you mentioned languages and the, the natural language learning is obviously a big deal. I know that you guys do things to some degree with some of the dialects that people talk uh, in English. And I seem to recall seeing something that you just announced Spanish. You are correct. We just uh, launched Balto and Espanol. And, uh, you know, we're taking that both to um, the Spanish speaking uh, US market, as well as the Latin American market to start. Okay. So you're not actually targeting Spain just yet. No, it's the thing is, especially with any language, but especially with the uh, romance languages, there's so many different, you know, variations, uh, you know, depending on, you know, which particular region you're in. So, you know, uh, Spain Spanish is very different than, you know, uh, Mexican Spanish. Oh, and it's much smaller than that. Yeah. Madrid Spanish and Barcelona Spanish are as different as Manhattan and Texas or Mexico City yeah. uh, for Spanish. It, it's all a whole different world that way. So yeah, definitely. We're trying to keep it really focused and and you know the the contact center market in Latin America is, you know, one of the fastest growth contact center markets in the world. You know, big population that um you know, is I would say, you know, underserved by technology because, you know, most of the tech players will go to, you know, the U.S. market or, or potentially, you know, um, you know, EMEA first. So, you know, we, th we think there's a really uh, big ability to deliver for a market that's hungry for innovation. Definitely. So you were saying that traditionally Balto has been a computer-based solution. You install it onto your computer and it picks up what's going on on the voice call through the soft phone, and you're able to connect. And you were just saying a, a little while ago that there is a way that you've now improved on this and have put out another new solution. Yeah, it's 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 pretty remarkable. You know, we've uh, been hearing for many years the contact center market saying single pane of glass, single pane of glass. Can we get a single pane of glass? And it's been elusive. You know, you have these IT teams and, and contact centers, and you know, often these product teams will actually take you know. Uh, full product teams and in, in, with with engineering capabilities and resource, and try to have them uh, design a uh, an agent workstation with a single pane of glass. And it really is 
you know, like, you know, I don't know, Tetris or Whack-A-Mole where, you know, you get one, <laughs> one new application in and then you have to pop another one out. And then, you know, someone wants to, you know, buy a new application and then they go, where's it going to fit? And then, you know, agents just have more and more monitors and that goes till the end of time. So uh, we said, you know, how can we be the real-time guidance solution on the market that um, answers the single pane of glass call from the market and from our customers? How can we be as single pane of glassable as possible? And what we realized is we could, you know, make Balto completely browser-based uh, for uh, the main CCast players. So all the the ones who are pretty sophisticated and have you know, real-time audio stream APIs, we can make Balto, you know, completely browser-based. And you know, even for those who are less sophisticated, we can uh, allow folks to you know display Balto in the browser, but embed it anywhere that supports an iframe. So you know, you could put it in Salesforce, you could put it in your CCAS, um, you could put it, it, it as long as it supports an iframe in your quoting system or you know whatever you know front office you know technologies that your agents are using to you know manage uh, customer uh, cases. You know, those are the sort of things that allow uh, agents to be looking at one thing on their screen. And then that way, the guidance that they're getting, the help that they need in order to be effective uh, in every conversation and be as productive as possible is sitting right next to the the, the tools and systems that that they um, need to actually uh, document their work and pull out, pull up the right customer information. Okay. And to slide off of that back into the actual title of this talk, how do you... Uh revamp your experience to improve the agent experience for the customers. So how would you recommend people look at that? Yeah, I think that uh, maybe perhaps it, it all starts with some fundamental principles. And, you know, one of the principles is that, you know, why do people go to work? Um, do people go to work because they want to be told every single thing to do and exactly how to do it? Of course not. There are places where that matters right? Particularly compliance, for example, or if there's, uh, you know, very important guideline, guidelines that your company has around branding. But I think that the command and control model of the contact center, especially in the 21st century, where, you know, the societal uh, climate is about power to the worker and about, um, you know, difficulty getting labor and agent experience and employee experience, um, command and control, you have to do the same thing every day, no questions asked, do it our way, and that's end of story, I think is not working. And it doesn't deliver the best customer experiences, and it makes agents bored, it makes agents frustrated, uh, it doesn't make them fulfilled. So I think the first thing that you have to do when you're designing an application for the contact center, if you really want to engage agents, is you have to put agent autonomy first. You have to remember that ultimately, the agent words are coming out of their mouth that go to the customer and that solve the inquiry. They, you know, words come from the customer and hit their ears and the words come out of their mouth and go to the customer. You ultimately can't control that and you shouldn't try. So uh, what you need to do is make sure that you have the appropriate guide rails so the agent knows that they're not getting in trouble. But a respect for agent autonomy and saying, where can we give agents more flexibility, more freedom? To, to do it in their own personality, in their own way, I think is something that uh, we're going to see more and more in the contact center space and, and technologies need to keep that in mind. I also think that if you look at other spaces, you know, look at uh, Peloton in the fitness space, um, even look at Uber and Lyft. The concept of creating delight 
for your users is something that is a priority, right? They want to give you badges. They want to give you contests. They want to find ways for you to engage with the app and enjoy your experience. And when you look at it, it looks beautiful. It looks like something you're excited to use. So think about like the quality, the standard quality that we have for our mobile applications and contrast that with how it feels to use a contact center application. Totally different ballpark. Can we create contact center technologies that look, feel, act, behave, and make us feel like our mobile apps. And Balta thinks, yeah, that's low-hanging fruit. We call that principle agent delight, agent delight. So we want to you know, respect the agent's autonomy and you know, treat their brain power in the way uh, with, with the respect that it deserves. And then also find ways to inject agent delight throughout the day to make the contact center experience, which isn't always um, the most pleasant, more fun, engaging, you know, competitive and cooperative. So in the end, you're, you're making the agents enjoy their job better, which you're hoping turns out to better uh, net promoter scores and other things for the company as a whole. Yeah. You know, it's it's the human stuff. <laughs> it's the stuff of, you know, when someone says, hey, what technology you like? What do you which technology is it? And why do you like it? The reasons that you would give are the same sort of reasons, you know, we're bringing to Asian experience. And in terms of NPS, you know, we've been launching this initiative uh, since the start of the year. You know, our our fiscal year starts on February one, so you know now about you know six months through it, and we've seen over a forty percent increase in our agent NPS. We measure agent NPS and we measure supervisor NPS, and we've seen over a forty percent increase in our agent NPS. Um, over sixty percent of all of our agents are promoters and rate ball to a nine or ten, and in the contact center space. Uh, that is a behemoth of a task. I can believe that. So you're basically doing all of this to kind of pull it out of the 1970s. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add? Because I see we're, we've got about eight or nine minutes left on the, the this particular call. Yeah. Anything else you can think of? I'll mention one other thing. And it's, you know, in order to make these changes, you know, Balto is not just taking shots in the dark. We're doing research, like very deep research. We actually have an internal research group um, called the Conversation Excellence Lab. And, uh, you know, in the last year and a half, I believe we've surveyed, uh, let's see, uh, 3,000 contact center agents, you know, asking them things around uh, what would cause them to stay at a job? What would cause them to leave? You know, what was their initial motivation for joining their contact center job? You know, when they make mistakes with customers, why do they make mistakes? Do they feel engaged? Uh, are they bored? Do they, uh, you know, how effective do they think their training is? Um, all of these sort of things, which encapsulate the agent experience, not just from guessing and from anecdotes and from being on the contact center floor, um, or nowadays, in many cases, the virtual contact center floor, but from data and research. And, you know, it's so interesting that you know, I, I think one of the things that has surprised me the most in the data is it says, you know, like contact center agents think and feel and behave the same way everyone else does. And I, I think that I, I, you know, I'm always, I always kind of look for an angle and I say, okay, I'll give you an example. You know, we did research around why did you join the contact center space? And we gave a whole bunch of, of different options they could choose from. And the hypothesis I had is that the number one reason would be I needed a job. I needed a job fast. I just needed to get work. But that actually was not the number one reason. The number one reason was opportunities for promotion and advancement. And I said, what? That's the same reason I, I come to work. And I think that if we can kind of uh, see 
contact center agents and ourselves and uh, you know, see us all as, as one people trying to enjoy the work experience and make the most out of life. I think there's a big opportunity for us to build the next generation of contact center culture and build work that people love and that serves our customers and our business as well. Makes sense. Although in your case, there aren't a whole many places for job opportunity and growth. Yeah. Once you're in charge of the company, there aren't too many levels above. Um, well, the company, right? <laughs> definitely. Now, you mentioned something uh, about working uh, remotely or virtually. How do you see Balto taking us from the old manager walking around and plugging in that little Y connector to actually being able to do this with remote teams or decentralized teams, the kind of work from home, work from anywhere concept. Is this helping? Is it possible? Absolutely. Yes to both of those. I think that, and I just admire Peloton as a company so much. And I, and I think that, you know, look at what they've done. You know, they've taken the workout class experience, right? Where you're typically in a mm -hmm. workout class. And the way you did that before, you did a bunch of people in a room and an instructor in a room. Okay. So you have one authority figure, let's say 20, you know, people who are being supervised or coached or, or you know, learning and engaging in work and they're, and they're being uh, guided to make sure that they're not, you know, uh, doing exercises incorrectly or, you know, slacking off or whatever. And then what, where did they go from there? They created a community, right? They created the ability to compete with your friends. They created the ability to see the same instructors again and again. They created leaderboards where you could see how you ranked compared to others. So they took, you know, um, a physical experience. They made it a digital experience where everyone was, was by themselves, but, but connecting as if they were all in one location at once. And then uh, wrapped it around a community with things like competition, uh, things like benchmarking and, and, and making it fun. And I think that that is going to be a trend we see in almost every industry in, in, in this switch from you know, physical to digital. So Balto wants to be the leader in creating the digital contact center floor. You know, can we create, uh, you know, the ability for uh, agents to overhear other agents and be like, oh, that's good. I want to learn from them. You know, when we did one of those agent surveys uh, as the first one over a thousand English speaking contact center agents in the U.S. And we asked them, uh, you know, what are what's your most uh, helpful form of feedback that you get? Number one was peer coaching, learning from a peer. Uh, the last the least helpful form of feedback they rated was the QA scorecard. Huh. So <laughs> okay. enable more peer coaching. And it seems like there's something with the QA scorecard that agents don't like that we need to fix and make it feel like it's fair. And that was the big thing that we found is they didn't feel like it was fair. But so we, we create the ability for an agent to be communicating with the customer. Balto will actually listen to that conversation. It will pick out specific sentences that they said that it, it's called a cluster analysis um, group together a pattern of likeliness to be very effective to drive at good outcomes. And we do that across you know, many agents. And then we're able to take you know, the, the things that they're saying to their customers and recommend it to another agent. So you know, somebody, you know, a customer has a complaint about a broken product. Balto can take the exact wording that a top agent just said in a totally different location, pull it out of that agent's brain, scale it out to everybody. And that's how, how everyone now is, is being guided to address that particular inquiry. That's creating digital peer coaching. Um, and, it, and it's creating a new type of work for supervisors, where instead of you know walking around trying to make sure people are, are all doing what they're supposed to do, supervisors are able to try to look for impactful moments where they can help every agent 
uh, overcome difficult situations. Makes sense. Now, part of what it sounded like you were talking is sort of the gamification of call center activities and kind of getting people excited and putting in the, the benchmarking or the competitions and things like that. Is this something that you're looking to put into Balto or kind of enabling things to connect to? Yes. Um, we say that we're building thoughtful gamification because there's nothing worse than gamification done poorly, right? When when you go into an application and you feel like it's, you know, uh, every time you have a conversation, your flower grows and then you get your flowers, a level 10 flower, and then you pick your, your you know, your T-shirt for the flower. And you're like, how does any of this actually capture the quality of the work I'm doing or drive me toward effective outcomes? Uh, there's nothing worse than, than you know, um, lazy gamification. So we try to be very thoughtful and we look at two things in particular. What are specific behaviors that we uh, want to drive across an agent base? And how do we think that those eight that behaviors will ultimately drive outcomes that the business is interested in? Behaviors and outcomes, behaviors and outcomes. That's all of it. That's everything. So we look for specific behaviors. Uh, we, you know, uh, create gamification by allowing agents to compete with other agents uh, and compete with themselves and earn uh, badges for, um, you know, having patterns of demonstrating great behaviors with customers. Um, and then, you know, the whole point of that is we then check and say, is this driving outcomes? Is this driving outcomes? And that way, gamification isn't just a... Uh, you know, something that you do to you know, try to keep your agents engaged, but something that is actually driving outcomes for your contact center. Perfect. So that's almost all of our time now. So I'd like to thank you um, for everybody who's going to be hearing next. Uh, Mark actually kind of inadvertently threw down the gauntlet by saying that uh, there's nothing worse than bad gamification. Uh, my next chat is going to be with Allison Smith, uh, the IVR voice. And she will be explaining exactly how bad IVRs actually are worse than bad gamification. So thank you again, Mark, and have a good rest of your day. Thank you, Eric. You too. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the CX-Verse. Please sign up to learn about future episodes. We are looking for feedback and new speakers, so please be in touch. <laughs>